Turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, that can be found on page 670 of your pew Bibles. As you're turning there, just a a few words to set up the reading of this passage, and and that is that we, as we all should, obviously pay attention to the reading of God's Word, I want to call especially those who are young, the youth of the congregation, to pay attention to this reading. This reading addresses from a father to his son, to instruct them in the ways, to know wisdom. And we all listen for that, and with that desire... But you will find yourselves in in the way that Proverbs is addressing it to the young, to the youth, that they would hear and know. Before reading Proverbs chapter 2, let's ask for God's blessing. Father in heaven, even the words just said, an exhortation to focus on the reading of your word, can't be accomplished by our own strength and by our own power. We will fail. And so we pray, open your word to us, and Holy Spirit, convict us in our hearts. We desire wisdom, not so that we can have a knowledge and pride. We desire wisdom so that we will be protected from sin to serve you. We desire wisdom because we want to know you and to understand you. We desire wisdom that we would be more useful for you and for your people. We desire wisdom so that we can give you better worship and better praise. It is with this desire we ask for what we don't deserve to hear and to understand. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed, None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Thus ends the reading of God's word. An unknown source is credited with saying... The point of an open mind, like having an open mouth, is to close it on something solid. 
The point of an open mind, like having an open mouth, is to close it on something solid. We hear that praised as a, an attribute that we would seek to have. He's very open-minded, we might say. You want to be one who's open-minded. And yet that really means nothing. It's of no benefit if you don't, as that quote suggests, close it and clamp down on something that's real. An open mind does you no good if the mind just stays open. Rather, it is to be filled. You open your mind that the, the wisdom of God would come in, and that's what this text is saying. That's what's the desire of the father of Proverbs as he speaks to his son, as he addresses the youth, and this is the youth of Israel. And what's presented to all the youth of God's people, and also all of God's people, is wisdom and understanding. And this text shows you just what that wisdom and understanding does. And this is amazing. Here's what's amazing, and I want to, again, especially address you boys and girls, you young people, that when you seek wisdom, when you pray to God for wisdom and ask it, he grants it. He gives wisdom. If you follow the words of Proverbs 2, and you seek it with all your heart, and you treasure it, this is what you will know. You will know the fear of the Lord. You will know understanding. You will be wise. You will be compassionate. You will be humble and you will be protected from temptation and sin because you didn't just open your mind, you opened it and filled it and treasured it with the Word of God. That's what this text is saying. That's what's at stake here and that's what we have to, to, to gain from listening to the words of God. For these aren't just the words of the father of Proverbs. This isn't just Solomon. These are Solomon's words, but, but this is the father's words, God's words to us as people, desiring that we would know wisdom, that our mouths would close on what is right and nourishing, and that we would know it. That's what the beginning of Proverbs is. Later, in the later chapters, you get a lot of the, the commands, you get a lot of the expressions, the, the, the details of what you should do in, in this situation, of, of integrity, of right, and justice, of, of mercy, application of all God's word in very tangible ways. And that's what you get later in the book. But here, in the beginning of Proverbs, what the father is desiring, he's setting the table that the son would be receptive to the words that are coming. That the son would take his mindset and set it on knowing that this is the right way, this is the path. That he would be already disposed to accept the wisdom of God and turn away from what is corrupt and evil. That he would be predisposed that his mind would know what's ugly and what's beautiful and the difference in between. So if you would understand the fear of the Lord, if you would find knowledge of God, if you would have God as a shield and a protection, if you would know right and good and the correct choice, if you would be guarded by discretion, if you would be delivered from wrong ways, evil men, and dark paths, then listen to the words of your Father in heaven coming through these Proverbs. And we will look at that in three points. I'm borrowing these three points from a commentator. I like them. I think they work well. Our first one is, it's wisdom hard won. And that's verses 1 through 5. Wisdom, that's hard won. Our second point is wisdom God-given. And that's verses 6 through 10. 
And our third point is wisdom, moral safeguard. And the way that these points are laid out is that the first two are laying the groundwork for the third. The, the goal of this section is the moral protection, is security against temptation. But the first two, the hard-working and the God-giving aspect of wisdom, is how you gain it, how you reach that point where you are protected, where you gain Wisdom, And we'll see that the God-given wisdom to fear the Lord must be diligently worked out, producing our moral safeguard. The God-given wisdom to fear the Lord must be diligently worked out, producing our moral safeguard. And that's the way this chapter begins. It begins with a lot of conditionals. In the first four verses, you hear a lot of the if, if you do this. Verse 1, if you receive my words... Verse 3, if you call out for insight. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver. And then verse 5, you get the consequence of all of those things. Then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so you see in those conditionals what we are called to do. And as we already said, that amazing truth that if you do these things, then you will have. There's no question and there's no doubt of it. If you do this... You will be wise. You will be protected. You will be the one to stand in uprightness. You will be the one to understand the fear of the Lord and to find the knowledge of God. And we see that in wisdom, hard one. It takes work. There is these ifs, and these ifs require work. The ifs of the conditional clauses mean we have to do this and devote our attention to it. We have to try as verses 2 through 4 say, and we can ask ourselves these questions, do you make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understand? Do you call out for insight? Do you raise your voice so that you can understand? And here's a very vivid depiction. Do you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures? Searching for wisdom as hidden treasures. Boys and girls, you know what a treasure map is. You've heard stories of those who seek treasure. They, 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 they go after it with everything. They try to find treasure. It consumes their life. That's what we might call as, the, as gold fever, the fever of treasure. It, it consumes you and all of your desires. It changes your entire life as you devote yourself to it. And we who are adults can understand this as we even think of our own jobs, as we think of the desire for our wages, the desire to be paid, the way we might even desire and treasure up time and a half and, and overtime and double overtime. Would we throw ourselves at that pursuit? Would we treasure these possessions? Well, that's what we are called to do with wisdom, to treasure it, to call for it, to even surround yourself with the calls for wisdom, and to surround yourself with those who know wisdom. And as Proverbs would say, your godly father and God's word. And those who have progressed, the, the older saint who is wise, to surround yourself with these ways to seek out and treasure knowledge and understanding. Not knowledge just to know. That isn't wisdom. Knowledge that is able to produce and there's a difference. Knowledge that produces fruit. Knowledge that just isn't stuck in the head. Knowledge that rather is taken and applied masterfully. To know what God's word says, and then to be able to avoid the landmines of this life, that's what we call discretion. 
to see paths before you, to see opportunities. And the wise one who is steeped in the words of Proverbs is able to say that path and not this one. This decision and avoid that. Stay away from this party and these people and rather turn to them. To know the right, to refuse the wrong. That is what it is to treasure, and this is hard work and hard won. Wisdom must be pursued. The best of intentions aren't enough here. You can, with the best of intentions, still be rather ignorant and make many mistakes. That's why the the point of that quote from the beginning, just having an open mind is useless unless it closes on what is good. To have an open mind to poison will poison you. To have an open mind to what is wrong won't help. But to have an open mind to what is good, that changes everything. There are those who are zealous, zealous for what is right, but unwise. That's not true wisdom. Rather, wisdom is zeal and knowledge that finds its purchase in the Word of God and knows it. There's another good quote from George Whitfield. George Whitfield said, Young Christians are like little rivulets that make a large noise and have shallow water. Old Christians are like deep water that make little noise, carry a good load, and doesn't give way. What is he saying? He's likening to the immature. The immature Christian, he says, is like those little rivulets that just make a lot of noise. You can hear the water flow, but, but it isn't deep. It's surface level. There's, it's boisterous, it's loud, but it's lacking what is in a river, a current, a deep path of the water that conveys with a lot of force the water in its wake. And that's what it's like to be wise. The difference between being young and immature is to be loud but not understanding, whereas being mature and wise in the Word of God is like that river that you can't really hear, and yet is mighty. That's the wise man. Many Christians want to do the right thing and live the right way, but don't know how and frankly don't seek it. And we shrug. And we shrug because we also say that about ourselves. Wisdom is before us, the likes of which is treasure beyond what we can comprehend, right at our fingertips, and we so often neglect and turn away. We so often avoid the hard-won path of wisdom. And how does wisdom begin? It begins with seeking even in these words. The book of Proverbs itself, the book before you, maybe even sitting in your lap, those words, their study, their meditation will make you wise. And so we are to pursue it. We are to follow after it. And that's why the Father says in verse 1, Receive my words, treasure my commandments. You see how, he's, how specific he is. In a, in, a, in a day and age that seems to just value relativity, that seems to value just letting the person go. You know, we just throw our kids at it and hopefully they'll land on their feet. That seems to be the current parenting model of most. Let them decide. You know, apparently as young as you are, you can decide anything about yourself. Failing to realize the wisdom of God and the wisdom of Proverbs, your kids need the instruction. You are young. You need to be filled with wisdom. And so the Father says, pay specific attention to these words that I'm saying. Know my commandments and walk in them. 
They're practical. They're specific. They give direction. He doesn't just come to his son and say, Be wise, son. He gives him the map. Follow this. Devote yourself to these instructions. And then verse 5, Then you will understand what? What will you understand? The fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If we were to rank studies, you know, what, what we're pursuing, our majors and minors in school, what would rank as the most valuable? I don't think we could answer that on a worldly level, but we can certainly answer the, the subject that dwarfs them all, the subject that is to be known, that we place our major in and not just a minor, but we want to study this and know it is to know the fear of the Lord and to understand him. That's the desire to find the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is that reverence and awe. What's contained in that is more than just you respect God. What's contained in the fear of the Lord and a reverence and awe is that you respect him enough and know him enough to be one of his children and to walk, and not only just walk the way, to walk it well. That's Proverbs. That's wisdom. Fearing and understanding him The first juvenile steps that we make toward wisdom will result in a fulsome maturity of conscience. The end result and the end goal of knowing and understanding God is that conscience that develops from it. We know him so much, we have set our gaze so far on him that we have been transformed and so that our conscience is molded and precise and any, anything that would go against God's word would violate our conscience and our conscience would spring up and defend us from all these things because we are wise in the Lord. This is the call of Proverbs to treasure and to pursue wisdom and fear. And there's a New Testament counterpart to this very call. You can think of Colossians 3.16 where it talks about being wise and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Wisdom is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what it means. That's what we must do and that's what we must pursue. It's hard won. It's hard work. And it's never too late. It's never too late to devote our attention to that pursuit. But second, we see that wisdom is also God-given. And this is in verses 6 through 10. Yes, it is hard won and it must be pursued, but we aren't even able to meditate and find this wisdom without God. And it isn't some hidden knowledge. God's wisdom is not speculative. It's not relative. It's based on his revelation, on his commandments. Why is it God-given? What's well, God given first? Because it's His own revelation. It's God's Word. So it's God's given because the source that we use to gain understanding is His very words. It's the words of Christ. This is what is used to gain wisdom. So there's the source. The revelation we have is from God Himself. It's also God given in that He's the one to grant and produce it. He's not one who just set the book in front of us. He's also the one that produces us, produces it in our hearts. It's God-given in every respect. The source that we're using, the production of the fruit, it is all of God. Verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It might seem contradictory to say you must seek hard after wisdom, and then in the next point to say, but it's only in God that you gain it. It's only God who works it. It's God-given. But this isn't a false dichotomy. 
Scripture is full of commands that we are called to do and yet know that it is only by God's production of it in our life that it comes. And this is why we don't boast. This is why we're humble. We're humble to know that we have no capacity for this. We're humble enough to know that where the pursuit of wisdom begins is in a request. It's in a request. James 1.5 If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. Here's my hope that in all of us, and again, especially you young people, the words of Proverbs 2 here would cultivate in your heart a yearning, a desire for wisdom. That your prayers would be populated, that you'd often say these words, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to grow in wisdom and the fear of the Lord, that I might serve you better. And why is that so important? Because if we can heartfeltly say that, if that can be a sincere prayer, as God's word says, it will happen. He will give it. He will not withhold it. What a blessing. That should be the prayer of all of our hearts, that we be wise And this gets at what Proverbs is talking about. We don't want to be the saints limping along. And what do we mean mean by limping along? Not that we face trial. That's going to happen. And that might cause us to limp. But what I mean by limping along is because we don't know any better. We haven't devoted our attention to the word of the Lord, and so we stumble around. That's what the father of Proverbs is seeking to avoid with his son, and that his son would know. Know that it is God-given. Verses 7 to 9 show that the success, that what is the success in view? How do you, how do you uh, wage, how do you figure out whether or not this is successful? It's right conduct. Do you do what is right for the right reason? That's that end goal that shows the maturity and understanding for you walk in what's right for the right reasons then you know that you are indeed wise. Verse 8 shows that the lover of wisdom are the saints. It's Christians, it's God's people. They are those to love wisdom. And then verse 10, For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Pleasant to your soul. This verse is the reason that we can understand righteousness and justice. But we also see in this verse and verse 2 something else. Notice that it says, for wisdom will come into your heart. Heart is a biblical Hebrew's closest equivalent to our mind, where it's the seat of our our very being, the seat of the soul, the seat of thinking and discernment and understanding that's in the heart. And yet it's deeper than what we might understand by just saying, oh, the heart equals mind, because we have this dichotomy, we have this division in our day and age where you have the emotions and you have the intellect, and often we separate the two. But what these verses are saying is that true wisdom in the pursuit of God isn't to say, take your mind over here and desire that, and that's where you fill wisdom, and your emotions are over here. No, Proverbs takes both and joins them together. You are emotional with this. This is your desire. It is pleasant to your heart and to your soul. The very seat of your mind and intellect and your emotions as well come together and express themselves in knowledge of God and wisdom and uprightness. It's not only what you would know with your mind, it's what you would love with your heart. 
It's what we would cultivate and desire and appeal to. It's that our appetite would be for God and his word. This is the difference in knowing facts you don't care about and knowing facts you treasure. Boys and girls, you can study for tests in school. And maybe it's a test you don't care about. And you, you do a lot of hard work. And you do very well on the test. You know a lot of facts. And that's good. But what's even better is when you know a lot of facts about something you love. About something you love to do. And you devote all your mind and attention to that. And so not only are you expert in it with your mind and knowing everything about it, everyone can see this is your passion. This is what you want. That is what we want with God. So wisdom is hard won. Wisdom is God-given. Third, wisdom, the moral safeguard. And as I said to begin, this is the desired, or, or I should say the end result of what comes. If you do these things, if you seek it with all your heart and devote yourself to it, if you seek the Lord and knowing it comes from him, if these things are done, the result happens in verses 11 to 22, and we see how God imparts protection to his people. Verses 12 through 19 illustrate the temptations of evil men and evil women. And against these, the wise child of God, the, the son of Proverbs, is able to withstand. Wisdom and knowledge become his own. It becomes his own way of thinking, and it becomes his acquired taste. And so he will make the talk and interests of evil men alien to him. They won't be what his desire is. He's wise enough and discerning enough to spot the issues and the problems because he looks through the glasses of God's word and he knows that this isn't the right path and what is good. He's able to see the crookedness of men. He's He's able to know their perverted speech, to pick out lies, to pick out what isn't right. He is able to defend himself against the smooth words of the adulteress, knowing instead that what she is, is she's a quitter. She quits on her marriage. She violates the covenant she made with the companion of her youth. That's her husband. She violates the covenant of God. And this becomes ugly in his sight. You see the point? The adulteress becomes ugly in his sight. Why? Because he's wise. Because he's wise. You see how biblical wisdom goes further than an intellectual knowledge? You see, the son might just know, pursuing these crooked men, pursuing this adulteress, won't lead anywhere good. And he might do it anyways. But the wise one knows that it won't lead anywhere good, and because his desire and appetite is for God, he finds it repulsive. He finds it ugly. He's protected. His character and his wisdom protects him from temptation. That's what we see in all of this. There's no tension here between the Lord protecting saints and the saints' characters guarding them against evil through the Lord's work in our characters that he protects us from sin and temptation. The Lord builds up our character. And it is in the strength then of those characters by which we walk away from what is wrong. 
Verses 12 through 15 describe the way God's wisdom protects us from evil men. The son's faith and maturity and wisdom tear him away from their pursuits. Notice what they say, perverted speech, dark ways, joy and evil, delight and perversity, crooked and devious paths. God's wisdom protects from the confusion of these wicked influences. We find another counterpart to what this is in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, where the Apostle Paul says what we once were as unwise, what we once were as those who were sinners. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a large list. What protects you from all that? You have lust there, you have idolatry there, you have gluttony and drunkenness, you have all of these things, greed... What protects you from all of that? Well, it's the wisdom of God. The character that is built, by which you replace that natural, the default, sinful man we have that desires those things, that would turn to those things, and you've replaced it with rather something that pulls you away, and your seat of your affections isn't on what they can provide. The only seat of our our affections and desires is Christ. So you don't just say, no, not that. You don't just say, no, not lying. No, not greed. No, not alcohol. No, not lust. And if I just say, no, I'll be good. That doesn't work. It's you say, no, not that, but yes to this. Yes to Christ. That's wisdom. Verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 6 says, And such were some of you, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. This gives us great confidence that we, no matter what place in life we are, no matter how long our sin list is, that we can yet develop in the fear of the Lord and grow in wisdom and be guarded and morally protected from these devious ways, from what is wrong. That's what will protect you. Notice how the text had described this corrupt woman in verses 16 to 19, the adulteress with her smooth words. Her words are smooth. The text is saying there is something about it that is desirable. There is something about it that seems good. Very smooth words, words that draw you in, but it's the wise man of God, it's the wise woman of God who is able to discern the temptation and has already cultivated their life with the appetite for God and his word and so that temptation has no hold and no stock. It's a long process. What this wise son then sees is that the, the smooth, beautiful words are really a veiled, a veiled death sentence. He sees that she is wicked That though she may provide some sort of external beauty, though there may be even few moments of pleasure there, when it actually comes down to it, she is a liar. She's deceptive. She's uncaring. And what it means to go after her is to sink down into the grave, is to sink down into death, is what the father of Proverbs says. It's to cuddle in a coffin. It's to bed rotting flesh. 
wisdom, discernment, hard work, but God-given. That's our hope. It is God-given for us to escape the entrapment of these temptations and to know what is right and good, to follow in Christ's footsteps. Christ is that display of the wise man. We went through it not too long ago in Luke and the temptations with the devil. And the devil came at, at the son, the true son of Proverbs, the son who is the wisdom of God. And he displayed, he displayed a character of one who had cultivated a desire for God's word. He displayed a character of one who had treasured God's word so much that when the devil came at to attack him, he was able to respond, able to discern, able to take that hook in the temptation that was very strong with what he was having to face and yet deflect it and see the wickedness of it, to choose the good away from the bad. So obviously Christ is the display of what true wisdom is, but he's also the one who produces it. To pursue wisdom is to pursue him, and that's why this matters. Behavior modification doesn't mean much, but living for Jesus means everything. We turn back to Proverbs to gain that understanding. Proverbs is useful for us because we gain the wisdom of God, we gain the words of Christ, and he works it in us. And that's why the Old Testament saints turned to Proverbs as well, that they would know the fear of the Lord. As we've talked about in prior times in Proverbs, we know that the fear of the Lord, as it plays out through all of Scripture, results in the faith in Christ. That's what it truly means to fear the Lord, to trust in his Son. That's the first step of wisdom. As we close, I want to read the last two verses of 1 John. In these verses, I'm going to read them first and then explain why they connect to our text. 1 John 5, 20 and 21. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. That's how 1 John ends his his letter. Why? Why? Why do I read this and connect it to this? Let's go back through it. He says, And we know that the Son of God has come. Wisdom and understanding, knowledge, we know this. And he says, We know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. That's God-given. It is God who gives the knowing. It is God who gives the understanding. God-given so that we may know him who is true. There's intimacy. There's the relationship with God. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Is that not the goal, eternal life? Is that not the end result of wisdom, to achieve life in contrast to death? And that's the whole point. He is life itself. The goal is eternal life, but it's not just a perpetuity of life. Eternal life is life with God. That's what it is. It's not just unending, as if that's the goal. No, it's that you've achieved, you've come to an unending relationship with God himself. And that's the height of life. 
That's the result of wisdom. And then he ends, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Moral safeguard. Knowing this, understanding this, living this, will keep them from idols. They will keep us from idols as well. Our theme had been the God-given wisdom to fear the Lord must be diligently worked out, producing our moral safeguard. We were to update that language to New Testament wording, we could say it's something like this. God-given salvation in Christ must be diligently cultivated, resulting in our moral safeguard. Wisdom is hard work. It's God-given. It's our moral safeguard. Know the fear of the Lord. Know Christ and pursue him. Amen. Let's pray. Father of all wisdom, of all knowledge, and of all understanding, we come before you with the desire of our heart to be a, a, an attainment of this wisdom. What we desire is truly the connection of the mind and heart, truly the intimacy of knowing you with our whole heart desire. And that desire, we know, finds its fulfillment in Christ. And we pray, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, protect us from sin, be with each of us here as we battle against the ways of this world and against temptations. May you cultivate in each of us a desire for greater wisdom and a desire to treasure your word. We thank you for the assurance to know that you grant this request. We pray that for all of us here, we would find this wisdom to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.